to Faith in the Fast Life, brought to you by Fast Life Ministries. The podcast that dives deep into the stories of God's redemption. 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 This week, a tattoo of a cross. And I just, I don't know, I remember sitting there staring at that cross and just having like this absolute peace and confidence that like, that's, that's what I need. Derek Graham on Faith in the Fast Life. Give our podcast a follow and check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Check out FastLifeMinistries.com to partner with us and keep our podcast going. Now let's get into the episode. All right, so without further ado, welcome to Faith in the Fast Life. we got Derek Graham with us today. Derek has an incredible story. Got to meet uh, Derek up at Camp Royal, Royal Rumble, as his uh, son was competing. Um, and just honored to have you here today, Derek. Um, man, not much intro needed. Just we want to hear your story, man. What has God done for you? Tell us more about Derek. Well, thank you for this opportunity to share my story. Um, it's been a wild ride. Um, I guess I, I kind of just get into it, uh, just to kind of set the stage. Uh, I didn't know who Jesus was, God was until I was, uh, 25 years old. Uh, I didn't even know what Easter meant. I didn't right. really even know the, you know, understand the true meaning of Christmas. Um, and, and that's not a knock on my parents by any means. Um, so, uh, just a little history on my family. Um, uh, my mom, um, she got pregnant when she was very young. She was 18 years old and, um, you know, her and my dad had a falling out. It just didn't work out. Um, so she moved on and she found the, the man of her dreams. Uh, they started a family They got married. Um, he took me under his wing uh, to the point where, um, I even called him dad. Um, when I was eight years old, uh, he drowned in a boating accident. So he left, um, you know, me and my mom and my sister and my mom got messed up for a while. You can imagine, uh, yeah. for a couple of years, she just, she was a mess. Uh, you can imagine the, the, the struggle that she went through and you're eight years old. How old's your sister? Uh, she was four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, at that time I had a lot of questions, right? So like you're an eight year old kid, you know, how do you handle that? Like you're asking questions like, cause you know, when you're at the funeral and stuff, they're just telling you that he went to heaven and he's in a better place and you'll see him someday. And, and that was the extent of the, the, the biblical or the the coaching that I had or the, the guidance that I had um, just my family, just, they weren't churchgoers. We didn't go to church. Uh, nobody really even, you know, talked about it. So that was the extent. So I'm just like this God guy or this heaven thing just is like, it just didn't, I didn't understand it. And I just, uh, for a few years, I questioned um, that whole scenario. Right. Yeah. So um, what are those, I mean, what are those questions? I don't know why I feel like we need to know that, but like, 
you don't really know God, so you can't really say why. I mean, you hear people always saying, well, why would God do this? Like, why? You always hear the, the age old question of why does God do these things to good people, right? And I've always, the best answer I've ever heard was that none of us are good people. <laughs> we're, we're actually all sinners, um, we all fall yeah, short. Right. Um, therefore like the, any one of us to call ourselves a good person is, is a liar. Um, we're, yeah, all, right. we're all bad people, but I so, mean, at eight years old, not really having that understanding of God and what it means. And, you know, God is the creator, you know, God is the father, God is the son, God is the Holy spirit. Like if you don't know that at that young age, like what is it that you're questioning? Like, where did he go? What happened to him? Or like, what, what's the question there? Yeah. So all the, you know, it's a good question. <laughs> um, just going through the memory banks. And I think I remember family members mentioning things like, um, you know, God takes, home, you know, people home that are really good people or, um, you know, he went to heaven, uh, you know, it's a better place. I, I don't really remember exactly what the explanation that I was given. Um, Cause I play, probably didn't know what to say. Uh, nothing stands out in my mind. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's why as a kid, I was just so, you know, uh, confused and, and, and blown away of like this scenario. Right. right. Um, I just, just kept asking myself many times when I was a kid, why, why did this happen to me? Why does this happen to me happen to me? And I remember being upset as a kid and not having a dad. Cause he was a great guy. I remember when I was a kid, um, when he got home from work, we would like wrestle around like in the, in the living room. And, and I remember, you know, going fishing with him and, and all these great things, nothing but awesome memories. And, and for that to be taken away, I was, re I was really frustrated. I was hurt. And then my mom, you know, started working uh, full time. And so I was kind of like left to be the man of the house. So I would just, you know, load the wood stove, feed, feed me and my sister, get us ready for school. And, and I just, kept asking myself like you know why can't I have an, a normal house and 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 why did you take them and I just I never had that answer right. uh for many years um and I can answer that now um but at that time I couldn't you know right. I did, nobody nobody had an answer yeah and I imagine like as tough as that is like trying to put myself in your shoes and think about like an eight year old, right. And they're saying, Oh, we went to heaven and you're don't really understand what heaven is. Yeah. You know, they're telling you that, that God takes good people. You don't know really, I mean, you really don't have a basis of what that means. Right. And I can kind of put myself back in your shoes. Cause I, I grew up very similar. You know, my, <laughs> my parents both were raised in different churches and, and, uh, but we were not, they didn't continue that tradition, if you will. So I didn't have much of a background of that. So I yeah. can't think of a perfect thing of questioning it. I think I just kind of went along, along with it and just kind of said, but I also never lost a father, right? Like I'm hearing mm -hmm. that about people that were, you know, distant aunts or great aunts or, you know, there was never the tragedy yeah. of losing my father and then people saying that to me. So I, I can only imagine how your head's just spinning with this. So tragedy happens. You're kind of the man of the house now, eight years old. Tell me more. So, um, just to kind of fast forward, uh, to where my life got a little crazy. Um, my mom really, 
uh, was super nervous about me falling into those bad habits, right? Drinking, smoking, partying. So she was really nervous about letting me go do things, right? So, you know, crew of boys would come over. They'd want to ride their bikes into town. She'd be like, she would say no. She just was scared I was going to, you know, who knows what trouble I was going to get into. And I think it was because she was so nervous about losing me, right? Yeah. She lost the, the man of her dreams and she's not going to lose me as well, right? Yep. So she really tried to, to shelter me. Well, is it had it when I um, went off to college, you can imagine what happened, you yeah. know? Right. <laughs> from from uh, feast to famine, right? Or famine, exactly. famine to feast, I guess, depending on how you look at that. Yeah. So, um, got some terrible advice from an English teacher who said, you know, how do you know that you like uh, chocolate ice cream unless you've um, tried it, right? Or how do you know you, you like all the other flavors of ice cream unless you've tried them? So I kind of took that as, okay, well, what's this drug thing all about? And what's this party thing all about? And just, you know, you can imagine what had happened. Yeah. Um, I was out of control. Um, you know, I remember, you know, getting, I got so bad at one point in time, I couldn't complete a sentence. Uh, I got hooked on um, some ecstasy and stuff like that. And, uh, so we decided that we are going to move. We're going to get an apartment in a, a downtown city. So it's closer to the bars. So we don't have to worry about driving anymore. So this is when you say we, this is like you and your roommates. Yeah. At the time in oh, college. Um, at this point I'm, I've moved home cause I've, I failed out of school. Okay. Uh, I just, you can imagine I couldn't pull it together. Just so, so in that, so you're at the college that that professor kind of gives you that, advice and you you kind of spun it into the way you want it be or, or now like we probably say that that the enemy you know satan spun that into what he wanted that to be for you yeah. so that he could pull you even further away from the truth um and yeah. because of that this is what year is this give me a timeline a little bit uh it's about like 2002 2002 so you're uh in college 2002 Drugs are happening. 2002 is still some of the rave scene time. Um, yeah. Ecstasy is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so you get caught up in all of the drugs and the party of college instead of the, the lessons of college. And, and uh, now you've, now you're out, you fail out and you're back home. You're looking at an apartment. Keep going. Yeah. So, so we get this apartment, right. And, um, there's this uh, drink special at a local bar and it's, uh, it's like a happy hour, any two drinks you want, uh, for two bucks or something like that, five bucks. So we go down, I get two big long Island iced teas, um, totally hurt myself. You can imagine. And, uh, on the way home, a buddy of mine decides to jump in this renovated building and, um, I'm standing on the edge of the street and he's just, he's kind of being just a prankster jumping in there, you know, it's under construction. So you can imagine it's kind of an important fact. So for the story, for the story's sake. Yeah, absolutely. So ha half of the, the, the apartment complex or like, it's like a duplex is being remodeled while the other half is being occupied by um, some folks running it out. So he's in there goofing off. I think he maybe stole some tools or something. So he jumps out of the, the apartment complex. Right. And all of a sudden I look behind me 
and there's some police coming down the road. So I'm like, oh, this probably is not good. So I better start walking down the road. So I start walking down the road and they pick me up. Um, they're like, we got a re- you know, report that uh, there's been a burglary. Um, you know, we're going to take it downtown and uh, try to figure this all out, right? So mind you, you know, I, I'm completely um, wasted. I've, you know, hurt myself under booze. And so I end up getting arrested. Um, the, the guy that jumped in the building, he took off the, out the back of the building and, and they never caught him. But uh, I went down, they processed me. I'll never forget um, being in that, that jail cell and uh, being, you know, there, there was a bunch of people in that jail. Like the guy next to me, he was, um, he was just cracked out. He was, I never forget it. He was going to the bathroom uncontrollably all over the place. And I just was like, I was blown out of my mind. Uh, another guy that was next to me, he had been under the, inf- he was so drunk that um, he was just oozing of alcohol and he was like a repeat offender. He kept hitting his wife. They knew who he was. Um, and so all of a sudden this van, this, this van shows up and they're like, all right, we're going to take you down to County. And I'm like, Oh wait, what do you mean down to County? Don't I just get out of here? You know what I mean? Don't I get released? Like, what's the deal? And they're like, yeah, um, you know, you, you robbed a house. Like, there's you're not going, you're not going home. And I'm like, now, now I'm freaking out. I immediately start crying. I'm like, don't I like get a phone call at least? So um, they're like, yeah, if you, if you want. And so I immediately, you know, call my mom, and I'm like, hey mom, I'm in some trouble. I can't, I couldn't even, you know, talk to her on the phone. I'm crying so bad because I'm just like a mess, right? Yeah. How old are you at this um, point? What's that? How old were you? I was, well, I must have been t- at least 21, 22 years old. Okay. And so all of a sudden they, they change, they handcuff us all together. So now there's like five of us. Now imagine this guy that, you know, is going through um, crack withdrawals, this other guy who's you know, just completely wasted drunk. He's a multiple offender. Like all of us are handcuffed to de- together. They load us up in this van. They take us down to this county prison or county jail. And so now I'm freaking out, right? Like, so now I'm, I'm riding down the main, you know, street of the town, looking out the win- you know, out the window. Cannot believe that I'm going to lose my freedom, right? So I'm just, it was just, I was just blown away. Um, thankfully, my mom, uh, she, she ended up having to put her house up uh, for bond. It was a $150,000 bond on that. Wow. So she put her house up um, and she got me out of there, thankfully. Um, so uh, we go in front of the judge and then the judge, I, you know, of course, you know, I'm about in tears again. I say to the judge, I'm like, judge, uh, your honor, I just, I just want to go back to college and make something of myself. Please, please, please give me a chance. And, you know, um, I'm crying like crazy and I can barely talk. And he says, okay, you, you really want to do this? You sure? Like, cause you're going to be held to a pretty high standard. And I'm like, yes, please, please just give me a chance. Let me go back to college and make something by myself. He's like, okay, we can do that. So, um, he, he, uh, you know, I go back, uh, they send me home. So he, he gets a, uh, like a probation officer assigned to me. And so, uh, that probation officer, um, you know, go through this whole process of 
um, making sure that my living environment has no alcohol in it. Um, I'm, I'm required to, you know, report my, my report card to them. Um, as soon as it comes out, uh, do random spot checks, you know, random drug tests, all that stuff. But I just want to take a, a quick step back. This is where I think God started coming into my life is, um, so I decided that, or the, the way I worked it out was, is I was going to move in with my girlfriend, uh, at the time, which is now my wife, who's an amazing woman who stuck through me, stuck with me through this whole thing. Uh, so we're on our way back to college. I'm going to move in with her, um, in hopes that I can, you know, stay straight. And there's a, um, the guy that I had met through, you know, my party stage. And he's like, Hey, um, I'm opening a tattoo shop. And he says, I need, I, uh, I don't have any customers yet. You mind coming in and, and getting a tattoo? Do you want to get a tattoo? I'll give it to you for super cheap, but I just need some people in the store. I just need to get this thing going. I need you to just, you know, tell your friends about it. So on and so forth. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I go to this, his shop and, um, I get a, I get a cross tattooed on my arm. Now, mind you, like I don't even know what that means. I got an. I I have to know more. I have. <laughs> I have to know more. Tell me more. I, I. This is. This is funny because like I question this sometimes. Like I. I see people with crosses tattooed on them, and I. And I'm not trying to judge because if you look at me covered <laughs> in tattoos, I get judged every day, and I. I actually welcome it. I love it. I love getting judged. Yeah. I love the ability to just absolutely break down a wall of people thinking that like I must be a thug or a, a bad person or a biker or whatever <laughs> it is. Like I just, I love it. Um, but I often look like you see people and like you see them, you know, wearing a cross around their neck or tattooed with the cross and you mm. go, well, are they, are they walking with Jesus or like what? Yeah. What? I mean, do they understand the meaning of the cross? Do they understand that at that cross is where, you know, at the, at the foot of that cross is where everything begins. Um, you know, and, and so I just, I want to know more. Like, so this guy calls you, like, what was it about the cross that made you want to get it tattooed? Like, what, how did, you don't know what it means, but you put it on your body. Tell me more about that. I don't know. I remember standing there and <laughs> he had this, he had this big wall with all these tattoos on it. And I just remember standing there. And this, this cross just kept like jumping out at me and it's kind of a cool cross. And I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's pretty old. It's on my arm there. Yeah. And yeah. it's like got the, like the, the nails. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, and it's, it's tucked into your skin, right? Okay. Like the, the idea of the, the cross, like it's, it's really like pinned inside your skin. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I remember sitting there staring at that cross and just having like this absolute peace and confidence that like, that's, that's what I need. You know what I mean? And, um, I can honestly say it at that point in time, in my life, it's like, I know this sounds crazy. I get this cross tattoo on my arm. Right. And at that point was when everything got better day by day, like um, as I, so we moved back, but I moved in with my girlfriend. Um, I got this probation officer who's doing like random checks, checking on me, make sure, you know, I'm doing all the right things. 
Um, just to fast forward through college, um, I ended up graduating with honors nice. and, and just um, building a, an awesome relationship with my wife. Um, I still fell into the party stage a little bit here and there, not nearly as bad. Uh, no, you know, no hard drugs, just, just booze. Um, Cause she still, you know, wanted to go out and, and enjoy herself here and there, but I didn't take it to the next level like I used to, you know? Right. Um, so I'm still struggling with that a little bit. I want to interject uh, something real quick. It's like something ahead. that just hit me. When you started to tell this story, you said that when I'm moving back, I'm going back to college, and this is when God started to work in my life, however you phrase that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want the listeners to grab hold of is that, that God is always there. He's always there. He's always with us, but he also gave us free will to make a decision to turn towards him or not. So people say, well, why didn't God interject? Why didn't God do anything? Well, because of free will, because of our free will, we can, I often tell people, um, you know, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. I said, you know, for 35 years, I had this voice in my head saying, I don't know about that. That might not be the right thing to do, but I ignored it. I ignored it and I did it. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me the entire time, but I ignored it and went and did my own thing. So I just want the listeners to know that, that even if you're, you know, maybe somebody's going to listen to this, maybe we're going to share this to someone and they're, they're in that point and they're saying, where is God in my life? You know, why, why isn't he doing something? He is there, but your free will, your decisions you make can pull you further away from him. Or right there. He, his arms are open wide. He's waiting to embrace you. Go for it. So this point, what where I come from with that is that you're kind of saying, this is when God started working my life. You end up in a tattoo shop of all places. And yeah. a cross tattoo speaks to you. Like the way I image this is like you're feeling the peace and the freedom that comes at the foot of the cross not even knowing, understand it. And that is God being there and your free will choosing to make a decision that some Christians would say is a bad decision. Um, getting a, you know, messing with the temple. Right. Um, yeah. but man, don't put God in a box. He's bigger than that. So sorry for the interjection, but okay, go no. on further. I love it. Cause you know, everything you're saying just, when I go back through my memory banks, it just it makes me more excited because I would never forget staring at that cross being like just and it was up it was up a little bit too and just just being like, Yeah, this is it. You know what I mean? Just yep. I can't put words to it. Just this peace that comes over you and, and joy. Yep. And and I think that when you focus on Lord, that's what happens, you know? Yep. And so when I started to consider, because I'm, you know, I'm, I still get exposed to those, those party things that used to, that kind of turned my life upside down. Yep. After I got that cross, and after I, you know, um, started to be, start coming into those different situations, you know, exactly like you said, I was like, eh, I, I don't think I want to do this. I, I think this is gonna, like, there was something inside me that was just, that was just discouraging me from doing those things right like yep. you sure you want to do that Derek you know it's like it was almost like all right bud you ha- I gave you free will um 
I let you do what you wanted to do, but you put that cross on your arm. I'm going to, I'm going to help you now. I'm going to really, really make you think about what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. I know it may sound crazy, but. And like I said, don't put God in a box. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the thing about it. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, like why not? And And if that's the thing that got your brain to, to open up a little bit more and to, you know, to maybe listen to that voice. Um, that's, you know, praise God, like, like here you are now. So, so tell us more. So yeah. you, you abstained from the hard drugs. You didn't let the alcohol take you to the next level. Um, yeah. well, didn't I, get I too bad was, with that. Yeah. I, I got away from the hard stuff. It was part of a little, a little harder than you should with the alcohol. Um, but you know, we are in a college town and, not to make excuses, uh, I'd get caught up a little bit here and there. But so we, gra- I graduated from college, uh, moved home, and so uh, we started. Uh, friends of ours all got um, some machines like dirt bikes, quads, stuff like that. So we we started uh, doing that at my in the back of my house and. Uh, we started racing motocross at this time and I, and I was really enjoying that. Right. It was giving me that adrenaline rush. It was substituting the alcohol. So like, um, you know, we want to go riding the next day or go, go to the track. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to drink tonight or, you know, I want to save my money for some upgrade parts on my bike. Right. I want to get something nice. I want to get my suspension on, get exhaust, that kind of thing. Like, you know, I want I want to put my funds and time and resources towards that. Um, so we started doing that, right? And so now um, I started really racing motocross, and I want to win, right? I was getting my butt kicked out there. I was crashing all the time. Um, you know that that uh, competitive nature, you could call it center pride, whatever you want to call it, uh, was getting the best of me. And so on my way to work. Uh, I was flicking through the radio and I come across this, uh, this gentleman, uh, Adrian Rogers. You ever heard of him? I have not. No. So Adrian Rogers is, uh, he's a, a, a pastor on our local radio station. And so I started listening to some of the things that he was saying. And so I, I started trying some of those things out, right? Like just even like the 10 commandments, you know, how to walk through life, how to, you know, um, have self-control and all of a sudden I started winning. Right. So now I'm doing good. This Adrian Rogers guy, like everything I'm trying from him is helping me be more and more successful, um, better relationship with my wife. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Right. I think I found this like secret recipe. (laughs) And so, um, he tells me that in his sermons, he's like, you need to be part of a church. Um, church family is important. Um, it, it's, it, it really, um, is kind of like the next step in your walk with the Lord. Right. And, um, this is the best part of my story. I think I love this part. So I'm like, all right, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this church thing. Where do I go? Like, I don't even, I'm scared to death. Right. Like who just walks into a church by themselves on a Sunday morning. Right. Yep. Like what you need some sort of segue, you need some, something to guide you along, get you in there. 
so my grandfather passes away and his services are, are at uh, our local church, the First Presbyterian Church in our town. Uh-huh. And so um, I go to his services at the church and the, the pastor's talking about my grandfather and he's also talking about my grandmother um, who they used to sit in this, you know, certain pew and talked about how great they were and how awesome they were. Well, my grandmother had passed away um, at a young age for me. So I didn't, uh, I only had limited memories of her, but she was an amazing lady from what I can remember, like whose grandmother's not amazing, right? Yeah. So um, her name was Shirley and um, she she was like a, a not just an amazing lady from what I could hear from what everyone told me. And, you know, from this pastor talking about my grandparents at this church. And so here I am, go to the service. I'm like, all right, this is, this is it right here. This is the church I should go to. My grandparents used to go here. My grandmother was awesome. Like, I'm going to go check this place out on Sunday. So I show up uh, at like 8 o'clock. No, actually early. I was like there at 7.30 in the morning at this church. So I kind of wanted to scope it out before anyone was there, you know. <laughs> Like, so I was kind of, you know, nervous or shy. So there, there happens to be this lady there, and her name's Shirley. <laughs> Ironic, right? Yeah. Like, what's the chances of this lady's name being my grandmother's name? She was my, my grandmother's best friend in high school. Never, didn't, I didn't know that. So she sits me down. She's telling me all these great stories about my grandmother, how awesome she was, how they were best friends, and... It just put me right at peace, right? So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, I look up, I'm like, all right, Lord, you got me. Like, you could you couldn't have played this out any better. Like this, yep. the chances of this happening, like this wasn't planned. Like no one knew I was even coming. And so that was like that moment where I was just like, okay, this is awesome, you know. So as, as humans, we have the ability to make a decision. We can, we can either think that everything's by chance or nothing's by chance. And I think that nothing's by chance. Like it's all part of an orchestrated plan. Yeah, for so, sure. And he definitely got you right where he needed you to be at that point. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just never forget, you know, sitting down with Shirley and just she's telling me stories about my grandmother and, and just sitting there like I kind of zoned out on her and I just kind of like just started talking with God right then and there. I was just like, all right, thank you. Thank you for this guidance. Thank you for, you know, getting me this far. Thank you for saving me from those terrible situations, you know. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm actively part of that church now. And, uh, I just, you know, been going deeper and deeper with the Lord through all these scenarios and, um, it's helped me become a better father, you know, husband Help me, um, stay away from, you know, the drugs, um, and even alcohol, like I may have a, a beer or two, but I don't, I don't cut loose. I don't binge drink. I don't, I'm, I have so much strength in those scenarios. Now it's not even funny. And, um, you know, I believe the Lord, you know, gives us that strength and he gives us that, that guidance. Um, I mean, the Bible is, is, a, is, a, is my, um, my instruction manual for life, you know? Yeah. Um, all the answers are right there. 
And so I think that what's what I I think I like love about my story is that you know most people you see in church um, you know were born and raised in, in it and I've been able to go just like you right like if you you know I listen to your podcast and what you've been through you know when somebody's struggling with alcohol you're going to be able to come beside them beside them and help them you know you know it's not going to be some guy that just can't you know comes to them knowing nothing never been through those struggles never had to deal with what, what you're going through you know you're going to be able to say no i know what that feeling's like when you wake up that next morning or or yeah. what it's like to be in that scenario and and hate yourself because you you can't stop right like you're going to be able to come alongside those people and um inspire them I think, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think God that, you know, he gives us each a story and, and we're called, you know, to, to share the gospel with others. We're, we're called to love God and love people. And I think in loving that, like the story that he's given you, the story that he's given me, you know, those, um, I put this, we, we used to talk about, I do, right? Like the, the word testimony means to do it again with the same power and authority. And because it gave us that testimony, we can use it. And that's all part of this podcast. Like your story might hit somebody differently. And, and listeners, again, if, if something about Derek's story grabs a hold of you, text it to a friend, share the episode, share it on your social media. Like let's continue yeah. to move this about so that God can continue to do it again and again. But the story he's given me resonates and, and I see it. It's, it's, it's awesome, especially as we get out and we do more events. We have, you know, a certain young man that, that we met at, uh, at Royal who's going through a lot of the same things. Like, it, it, it mimics my childhood. And, you know, we, we don't talk every day, um, sometimes once a week. But just helping him walk through it, you know, and, and walking through his sobriety um, at a young age, you know, I, I got to believe that God put him there or put me there for him to be able to help say, Hey man, like don't make those same mistakes. But yeah, our stories are designed to help others. And yeah, it gives us a little bit of credibility, right? Like the other side of it too. And, and I don't want to go, you know, too bad at this, but there's, to me, there's a difference between religion and relationship. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I, uh, you know, maybe you want to call them hypocritical Christians or whatever they're, or, or, um, you know, they come to church on Sunday morning and when, and when they leave, they forget to be a Christian all week long, right? It's, yeah, it's right. a routine. It's a pattern. It's, yeah. it's what they were taught to do. Um, and one of the yeah. biggest things I hear, and I don't know if you listen to Dustin Orm's uh, podcast, one of the things I love that Dustin said was the fact that his parents were very, very intentional and very good about teaching him that it's your salvation. You don't inherit my salvation, and I think that gets lost sometimes in the religious setting, right? Like the kids grow up yeah. in it and they just, oh, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians. You know, I, I believe because my parents believed or my grandparents did, but it's it's not about that. It's our own salvation for each yeah. one of us. And that's important for us to teach our kids. And because of that, God has so many little tools and, and, and so many different people 
he can use in different situations. You will reach a person differently than I will, differently than Ben right. sitting over here will. We all have our thing, but we got to come together. One of my favorite things I'm learning right now in my uh, ordination classes, uh, we're going through 1 Corinthians. And one of the things this instructor said that really drove home for me was uh, we all have a tendency to go to church and we want to fill our church we don't need to go to church. We've been called to assemble as the church. And when we assemble as the church, you know, we're the church right now. You and me sitting here on this Zoom call, we are the church. We don't have to be in a brick and mortar building to be in church. We mm -hmm. need to go to that building and assemble as the church. And then each one of our gifts can minister to each other. And that's what it that's what we're called to do. Like that's it's not just going to church. We go to the movies, we go to a football game, we go to dinner, um, we assemble as the church. I just I loved that. I love the way that is because that means the story that he's given you, Derek, you can use within your own church, in the church. You can actually minister to your pastor with your story. We're called to minister to each other. So I hope the listeners grab a hold of that as, as well as I did because that was that was big for me. Yeah, symbolize the church. So yeah, Absolutely. your story can do something big for somebody else and, and differently than, than what a person who hasn't walked through that can. Absolutely, yeah. I It's... There's... You learn to really enjoy life right you you know just to to take a step back you know um at the time um winning you know was what kind of substitute that that drug right yep and um now so i kind of took that to substitute the drugs right and found that i was able to be successful in in racing motocross and and my son he's He's 15 and, and he, I got him to motocross and, and we had a ton of successes and, um, and I'm getting to the point now. Well, one key component I think of being successful in that was something I learned was God is love. Right. Yep. And there was a time where I was like this psycho dad and I was always pushing my son, right. You know, go faster, jump higher, like, you know, do you hear about such and such? He's got this lap time or he's doing this and, you know, trying to encourage him to get him to win and, and, and to get on the box. Right. And I eventually learned that, you know, um, you know, by going to church and studying is that God is love and, and he loves us no matter what. And a lot of times we get caught up in whether or not God wants us to make a decision, but if sometimes God just, is going to come alongside us and love us no matter what we decide. And so when I learned that and I let, I chilled out as a dad and I just let my son enjoy racing and shut my mouth and just let him go out there and rip, have fun, hit some jumps, do what you love and just cheer him on and give him a big hug before and after the race. Yep. Um, once I learned to do that, that's when he was truly successful and started enjoying it. Yep. And, and, and before that, he was getting his butt kicked out there. Yeah. And, like, I can – it was just like I'm flipping the switch. And so I, I, I like to share that because um, in so many youth sports, you see dads, 
you know, just screaming and yelling and getting all excited and do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, you want to coach them, but yeah. you really just want to, they want you to be proud, love them. You know what I mean? They're just kids. They just want to be loved. We all want to be loved, you know? Yeah. And so um, I am to the point now where I'm really struggling between you know, do I push my son or just love him and let him do his thing? Because like at the Camp Royal event, um, the Royal Rumble, you know, he has the skills to do good, to be a top, top contender. But at the end of the day is, is me pushing him um, and potentially getting hurt worth, worth, you know, being that psycho dad and, and pushing him away, you know, or do I just love him and let him do his thing, you know, and just be there for him and, and provide a nourishing, flourishing environment for him, you know? Yeah. So I think in that um, too, like, I think there's a difference between pushing and encouraging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like encouraging him to do what he loves, encouraging him to, to give his, his effort and everything that he does, you know, to give a hundred percent effort um, versus pushing him to be the best, pushing him to be on top of the podium you know, like there's, there's something about that effort piece. Um, something that came in mind there too is something else we've been learning a lot about is uh, there is no love in hurry. Like yeah. You can't rush it. Yeah, so so, so there is there's no love in hurry. Anytime you're yeah. hurried in life, you're rushing through something. It's the, you know, trying to get my whole family to church in the morning and, and I'm shouting yeah. from the car, get in the car, we're running late. You know, yeah. so I, I, I'm not Let's loving go, God. Go. And I, yeah. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> loving. So, I mean, that's the same thing, right? Like there's something about the patience of that and just walking through them with him and encouraging through it. And you ask him how he feels in the situation and finding where you can, you can, you know, encourage him, not push him. So, but man, Derek, this yeah. has been awesome. I, if, if you've caught a few of the podcasts, like, cause we near the end here, like, What's one thing that the listeners that you want the listeners to grab a hold of? Just be patient. Be patient with each other. Be patient with your children. Be patient with the Lord. Because there's been so many times in my life where I'm I have this scenario and I'm not sure what to do. And I wanna I wanna make it happen, right? Um you're in sales, right? Yep. And you can't force the sale sometimes, right? No. It's, you just got to be patient, talk to your customers, see how they feel, pray about it, and just, you know, the Lord will provide a way. It may not be in the timeline that you want, but just just hang tight. Yep. Yep, let them work. Exactly, yep. yeah. It's funny you say that too, because when you come back to that, you say, are you in sales and you can't force a sale? I think a sale is all about relationship. It's building Absolutely. a relationship with that person, with that family, with whatever it is that you're selling. It's the same thing with, with God. Yeah. It's the same thing with Jesus. It's just about building a relationship and take whatever time necessary to build that relationship with him and watch all these doors open. You know, and just like building the relationship with the, with the person buying the whatever, you know, as you build the relationship, the, the close happens. So, yeah. And I think that cause people say, well, and then I'm sure you've heard this is, um, well, I don't see God. Right. Or I don't see him at work. Well, you may not know what you're looking for. Yeah. Maybe just pick up the, the Bible or listen to a podcast. 
um, do some studying, do a little research, figure out, you know, then you may be, then you may see God at work, right? Yep. Um, the other one that, may not that, know goes, what you're for. that goes hand in hand with the, there is no love and hurry, but also we're, we're moving so fast. We're such a fast paced world. And, and that's, you know, fast life ministries, like my entire life is bouncing from one thing to the other. Yeah. And in those things, you, you start to learn to look for God. And you did at some point, I think with my walk, I, I see God in all things now, but I won't hear from God unless I be still, you know, I mean, yeah. the Bible tells us to be still, um, you That's know, I, 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 uh, you know, he leads me into green pastures and, and, or makes me lie down in green pastures, right? Like, well, he's making us lie down so that we can hear him. He leads me beside still waters. Well, as his sheep covered in wool, if he leads us beside a raging stream, we're going to get swept away. The stream is the world, right? But that still water is him. That's how we can hear him when we're still. And we're, we're you know, that that's the whole thing. We have to get into that green pasture. We have to get beside that still water and slow down long enough to be able to truly hear him and see him. And, and as you slow down to hear him more, I think you'll be able to see him in all things. So that's good advice. That's something I need to do more of too. Yeah, it's tough. Trust me. <laughs> I'm walking it out. Um, I'll, I'll plug a, I'll plug a book for the podcast folks here. That's been a huge help for me. It's a complete lifestyle change. Um, uh, John Mark Comer, uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And I would okay. recommend that to all the listeners and to you, Derek. It's, uh, I've read through it once. I've listened to it. Um, it's an eye-opener for sure. Definitely a tough one for me as, sure. I, as I run a business and, and do a ministry and all these things. It's, it's tough to find that time to slow down, but it's, it's, I think it's so necessary and we're working towards it. But, man, Derek, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, You're welcome. Thank you for letting us. Yeah, uh, absolutely, brother. Me. Yep, tell, tell your son I said hi, and, uh, man, mm-hmm. God bless you. Have an awesome day.